While we are standing, could you please turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter number 42. Psalms, chapter number 42. We're going to read one verse. While you're turning there, I want to say we're so thankful for everyone that is here, for every guest that is here. We're thrilled and thank God for you. Seriously, thank God for you, everyone. One verse of Scripture, Psalms 42, verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep. At the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. David is not talking about being lost at sea. This is not something dreadful. This is something from his heart. Amplified puts it this way, roaring deep calls to roaring deep. At the thunder of your water spouts, all your breakers and your rolling waves have gone over me. He's enjoying the journey. He's enjoying the presence of God. He's enjoying being in the depths of God. The waves of God's Spirit, the bursting forth of water spouts, rolling over Him. Deep calleth unto deep. Let's ask that God would talk to us together and individually today. Lord Jesus, we do stand in awe of You. We always stand in need of You. And we ask, God, that Your Word would have totally free course in the depths of our hearts and minds and souls and spirits, both today and all of our tomorrows and throughout eternity. In Jesus' name, we commit this into your hands. Amen. Everybody say, praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for standing with me. Now, as we know, we don't know, should know, that the earth is a very, very, very interesting place in a billion different directions and outlooks and things worth looking into and investigating from nature, to which Aristotle said, in all of nature there is something of the marvelous. And even in humanity, though it's a study of the good, the bad, the ugly, it never ceases to be amazing. And then, of course, to us in the realm of the Spirit. Speaking of deep things, I want to talk to you about the deepest place on earth. The deepest place on earth. Now, if we were talking about earth alone, we might be talking about the Myongen gold mine that is found a short distance southwest of Johannesburg, South Africa. It's the deepest mine in the world. They have worked its way down almost two and a quarter miles deep. 
this mine that has 236 miles of tunnels. It is deep as if you put 10 Empire State buildings straight down into the earth. It's a huge mine. Every single day, 6,000 tons of earth, considered ore, is removed every day out of that mine. 6,000 tons of earth goes out. They don't find much gold, but they find enough gold in that to make it profitable. One year, a few years ago, they produced $460 million worth of gold. They find that the further down they go, the hotter it gets. And there are portions of the mine, many portions down that far, where it is 151 degrees in heat. So they also pour through pipes and down onto the floors slurried ice in order to keep the temperature down for those people that work and live somewhat down there. They're there so much. That's a deep, deep pit. There is a natural cave in Russia called the Krubera Cave. It's one and a third miles deep. That's a deep cave. I've been in in uh, Carlsbad Caverns. I've been in caves in Missouri, but nothing like the Krubera Cave. There is a lake called Lake Balkal in southwest Siberia, in Russia. It is the deepest natural lake and the deepest continental body of water in the world. It's fresh water. It's fresh water. In fact, it's some of the clearest water upon the face of the earth. This lake contains more water, fresh water, than all of the five great lakes of Northeast United States together. All of the Great Lakes. This one lake has more water. In fact, it has almost 25% of all of the world's fresh water is in Lake Balkai. And this lake is over one mile deep. It's that deep. There is a man-made depth called the Kola uh, borehole. Russia began drilling down into the earth in 1970, and they quit drilling in 94. They drilled continuously almost for 25 years. They drilled a hole that was seven and a half miles deep through the crust of the earth, and uh, they finally quit. It was getting so hot down there that the shaft was, it grew down to the point it was 356 degrees Fahrenheit down that far. And so they, they stopped. We've got a whole long list. We won't do that. The lowest spot on earth, the deepest spot on the natural earth, is a place called the Dead Sea, not far from Jericho. And the Dead Sea is in the southern region of Israel. The Jordan River runs into it. Nothing runs out of it. Nothing, nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And most all biblical 
uh, studies, archaeologists, etc., it is the commonly held belief that this lowest point on earth is where the cities of the plain, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah once dwelt there. And that because of their rancorous sin, God brought hell to earth and fire and brimstone came, destroyed the cities of the plain and made it the lowest spot on the face of the earth. I would like, and we could go on, but but I will just simply tell you that all of these things are nothing compared to God who created the heavens and the earth. These are some spots on this little globe, amen, to which God said the heavens is his throne and this earth is his footstool. Job 12, 22 through 25 and I could really just read 22, but the other three verses, though they're not pertinent per se with what we have to say today, they're too good to pass. Job 12.22 says, He, our God, discovereth deep things out of darkness. If you want to really go into deep things, get to know God. He discovereth deep things out of darkness and bringeth out to light the shadow of death. Now, then it gets really, really interesting. Verse 23, He increaseth the nations and destroyeth them. He enlargeth the nations and straighteneth them again, or narrows them down again. He taketh away the heart of the chief of the people of the earth, and causeth them to wander into the wilderness where there is no way. They grope in the dark without light. He maketh them to stagger like a drunken man. And I'm going to give this to you in, in another paraphrase. He shines a spotlight into caves of darkness. He hauls deepest darkness into the noonday sun. He makes nations rise and then fall. Builds up some and abandons others. And world history bears this out. But please take note of this and think of our our nations and world, in the world we're living in. He robs world leaders of their reason and sends them off into no man's land. They grope in the dark without a clue, lurching and staggering like drunks. Welcome to California, praise God. Psalms 95 and 3 makes it very, very interesting. States, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all kings. And by the way, I love California. I could not imagine living anywhere else. And I mean, that drives me crazy, but I love it. The Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. Some of the deep places we describe, this whole world is in his hand. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. In our opening text, he's talking about God's waves and billows. He's talking about depths, roaring depths, calling unto roaring depths. And David delighted to swim in the waters of the depths of the presence of God. And can I tell you, David did not enjoy it near as much as God enjoyed David enjoying it. Praise God. And there needs to be something about us that hungers and thirsts 
for the deep things of God. And there needs to be something about us that is not so entrenched in our comfort zones that we are afraid of venturing out, as he said to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, concerning fishing, launch out thy nets into the deep. Amen. Launch out thy nets into the deep. And when they did, they brought up a great multitude of fish. Can I tell you, there needs to be something that says, God, I don't want to be in the kiddie pool. I don't want to just be in the four foot deep waters. Let me go where the waves and the billows. I won't drown. You're going to take care of me. Help us, God, to just engulf, get washed up and rolled and tossed. Amen. Relishing in the deep things of your spirit. Hallelujah. His hand is in the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills are also his. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Trust me, God knows how to take Take care of his earth and those that enjoy him. Psalms 92.5. This it says, O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. Thy thought, thy thoughts are very deep. Now I'm going to just go here just a little bit. I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I knew nothing of the Bible. I knew John 3.16, I knew how to quote it. Didn't know how to find it easily. I would read it, but I didn't understand what I was reading. I had repented. I had repented of my sins. But the Bible was a foreign nation to me that I had never traversed. Amen. And, 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 and But I was praying and I was seeking God. And in the midst of my prayers and Jesus taking me by the hand. There were nights his presence would come down and, 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 and I would be praying. And, and, and when I would call on the name of Jesus, I found myself, as a, I'd feel him stronger and stronger. I knew nothing about the Holy Ghost. I knew nothing about church. I knew nothing about this glorious grace. I knew nothing about the depths of God. But as I would pray and call on the name of Jesus and feel, and Jesus and feel more, and Jesus, Jesus, and I'd find myself starting to shake, and my tongue would, I didn't know he was trying to fill me with the Holy Ghost. I had no idea. If somebody had been around me and said, son, that's the Holy Ghost. Just let him go. I'd have probably got the Holy Ghost right there. I had no idea what it was. Some of you heard me tell this, but I'd crawl, I'd, it'd scare me. I wasn't ready for those depths. It would scare me, and I'd crawl into bed, and I had an old Bible that would fall to pieces, and, and I had a cross that glowed in the dark, and I'd get the Bible on my chest, and the cross that glowed in the dark, and I would say, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing, but we'll have to do it some other time. And I was serious. I was serious because because these deep things. But during that time, I was I was I was going to college and I was taking creative writing and and uh, and uh, two classes of poetry. And my my uh, my my poetry professor was a quasi famous poet. And uh, and so so I got into poetry. Now listen, I'm, there's only one reason I'm doing what I'm about to do. And it's really stupid because I'm going to quote to you a poem that was very important. But I, I wrote other stuff. I wrote other stuff. I wrote other stuff. I wrote other stuff. And uh, following, following a sightless being, serving one another, never quite seeing the heads of left corn, no joy, no mere breathing. Oh, one from down under, you stole a heart, bleeding out, love meant for others, and on and on and on. And, and uh, 
Obscurity sparrow makes the oats branch, wondering, pondering the distance he'll chance from here to there, from there to where. The answer lies thin like finger twirls hair. And, and others, one I wrote, it was, uh, I wrote it 40 times by hand and it was three pages long. Kids scared, mixed up size, frightened hearts with story filled lies, and it goes on for three pages and I realized that's the only one that understood it, so that was stupid. And, uh, I spent all that to tell you, one night I was praying, and the presence of God came down very, very strong. And he gave me a poem. It was very short. And I wrote it. The only reason I told you that other stuff was to let you know that I'm not a complete idiot. But I wrote, the title of the poem was, I Am. I did not realize that I Am was one of the names of God of the Old Testament. The first line was, I am Q with a small Q. The second line down, without you, was big capital U. And the third line was, Lord Jesus, I am Q without you, Lord Jesus. And what it meant was, the letter Q without a U behind it is virtually worthless. The Gulf of Aqaba doesn't have the U, and a scientific term, CAT, Q-A-T, doesn't have a U. Those are the only two words I'm aware of that doesn't have a U behind the Q. If you took the letter U and threw it out of the alphabet, you may as well throw away Q, because it's worthless. Quiet, quizzical, quintessential, amen, queen, on and on and on and on and on. There's no use of having the letter Q without a U. And my little silly poem, it hit me. I could take you to the spot in the basement where I used to live where it hit me. And I realized I am nothing without you, Lord Jesus. I'm a little tiny cue without you. And then, that was on January 10th, 1971. Ten days later, and as you leave the church today, if you go out into the foyer, before you go out the glass doors, look up to your left. You'll see a big black U with a little Q deal off to the side. Clouds pointing to it. And the inside is green and purple. And Brother Adam and Lance Myers put that up there for me. They actually put it on this side. Of the foyer, and I said, "Is there any way?" I was—it was a surprise. Could it possibly put over there? And they said, "We'll do anything." The reason I wanted it over there is because on January twentieth, nineteen seventy-two. Long story short, I was going home, and I looked out the window of the bus from the college I was going to, and in the sky was a huge, perfectly formed jet black giant U cloud with a little elongation like the U, like a Q. And the U and the Q were together. Inside was purple on one side, green on the other. Shimmering clouds were pointing towards it. The sun was setting and it was, it was a vision. I didn't know. But uh, the Q and the U was together. I'm headed somewhere today. I didn't know about the Holy Ghost, but I realized I am Q. I'm nothing without you. But if I can get together with you, the only reason any of us are anything whatsoever is if we receive the Holy Ghost and let him come into our life. 
The reason my wife and I got married on January 20th was because that was the anniversary, amen, of that vision that I had. And, 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 and can I tell you, for 25, 30 years, I never even realized what the, what the purple and the green represented. And it wasn't until actually longer than that, 40 years, when it was put up there. And that was right at 40. And because purple is the sign of majesty, and green is like earth, green earth. It's where heaven and his majesty and earth come together. The cutie. And so you say, what's that all about? It's that he was teaching me very early how deep his thoughts were. How profound this God is. How majestic, how sublime this great eternal God. You ready for some deep, you want a deep thought about this God, this eternal God that spoke everything into existence, that spoke the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth. Without Him was not anything created which was created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made which was made. Ah, but that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This eternal God who is invisible, this God who is a spirit, this God who is deathless because He is eternal, this God who is a spirit and He is bloodless. You want a deep thought? This eternal God so loved! So loved that he gave his only begotten son. He robed himself in flesh. This God who had no flesh, his spirit, he took on human flesh. This God who had no blood to shed figured out a way that the only innocent blood. I know I've said this before. I'll say it again and again and again and again and again. Amen. This bloodless God figured out a way he could shed the only innocent blood that would ever beat through a human heart. This God who is eternal and cannot die. This God tasted death for every man. How great, how deep are thy thoughts unto me, O God. And he did it for you and I. You don't have to be lost. You don't have to be undone. God Almighty robed himself in flesh in order to save us. You say, why are you preaching this? Because we're going into the Christmas season. And we need to realize it ain't Santa Claus. It's Jesus Christ. He robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He came, He healed, He taught, He suffered, He shed His blood. He tasted death, and He rose again. And that's him you're feeling right now. And he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost today if you want. It's interesting to me that this Bible uses the term, I think it's 97 times in the King James, the word everlasting. Everlasting. That we have an everlasting covenant is there many times. We have everlasting statutes many times. Speaks of his everlasting arm, his everlasting mercy, his everlasting throne, the everlasting doors, his everlasting righteousness, his everlasting way, his everlasting kingdom, 
His everlasting wisdom. He is the everlasting Father. Our joy is everlasting. His everlasting salvation. His everlasting kindness as an everlasting sign, an everlasting name, an everlasting light, an everlasting king, an everlasting dominion that will bring us an everlasting life, take us to an everlasting habitation, give us everlasting consolation, everlasting honor, everlasting power, because it's an everlasting gospel. However, the most sublime and beautiful and gracious thought is in Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord hath appeared unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. His love is everlasting. I would not do him or any of us justice if I didn't also tell you that Isaiah 33, 14 speaks of everlasting burnings. Also was found the term everlasting reproach, everlasting contempt, everlasting fire, everlasting chains, everlasting destruction. But there's far more good everlastings than there is bad everlastings. Because, as it says in Romans, where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. His love outweighs that if we'll just accept it. Notice this. Jeremiah 51.9 says, We would have healed Babylon, who was the epitome of bodacious, proud, in-your-face, stubborn, rebellious wickedness. But we would have healed Babylon. But she's not healed. Forsake her, let us go everyone to his own country. For her judgment reacheth unto heaven and is lifted up even to the skies. Year upon year, decade upon decade, century upon century, Babylon grew, compiling its authority and its pomp and its grandeur and its sins until its sins and judgment reached unto heaven. And sometimes, just in the course of one single life, we can be so stupid and so wicked that it seems like it's a mountain before us. And what can be done with that mountain? That pile of sins. But if somehow you kept your sitting business down to one a day and you lived to be three score and ten, you made it to seventy, just then you'd still have to answer for a pile of twenty-five thousand Sins, multiply that times five a day, or ten a day, or five hundred a day, and on and on and on. A mountain. We've talked about low places. The highest place on earth, the tallest, reaching up into heaven, as it were, is Mount Everest. Twenty-nine thousand. Twenty-nine feet. 
tall. Babylon. Maybe our lives. But again, Romans 5, 20 and 21. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Zerubbabel, come on boy, that mountain's coming down, praise God. That mountain's coming down. There is a deeper, deeper, deeper place on earth than any I've talked about. It's the Marianas Trench. It's in the western Pacific Ocean. There are places down in the Marianas Trench where light, they say, has never reached. It is 36,070 feet deep. It wasn't until 1960 it was reached. They finally got to the bottom by a man named Jack Picard. When it was down there, it was 16,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. But thy waves and thy billows. If you took all the sands of Mount Everest and you turned it upside down and you fit it down into the Marianas Trench, you would still have one mile of water plus 1,761 feet. Can I tell you something? Baptism is a powerful deal, buddy. It don't matter how bad your sins are. Trust me, the water's a... The waters of baptism can't... Brother Henry, amen, you got more than a certificate today, buddy. Your sins were washed away with your repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. Sam and Rosie, what God did for you, deep, call of the deep. Oh, the noise of thy water spouts. It don't get better than to go down in the waters of baptism having repented. That's this God we live. We live for, we walk with. This is why Micah 7, verses 18 and 19, Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever. Listen, because he delighteth in mercy, he will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou hast cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Deep calleth unto deep. I don't care if your sins are red like crimson. They will be white as wool. I'm here to tell you, there's a God in this house that loves everybody under the sound of my voice. There's a God that's here to help. He's a God that's here to heal. He's an everlasting God. He's, he's a faithful friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a redeemer. He's our Savior. He's our King of righteousness. He is the eternal God who came. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand. This is why in Acts 20, 28... He tells us to take heed to ourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost made us overseers to feed the church of God. Listen, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Can I propose to you the blood of Jesus Christ 
is the ocean into which he casts our sins. Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Ephesians 1.7, whom we have redemption through His blood. Hebrews 9.22, without shedding of blood, there's no remission. 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Hebrews 10.19, we have boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus. Luke 22.20, the cup This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. How precious, how deep, how deep, deep calleth unto deep. Revelation 7, 14, he saw this number, which no man can number. The angel said, these came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And this is why, and I'm almost done. 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from our vain conversation, received from the tradition of our fathers, but we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Today, I'm talking about the deepest place on earth. The most profound, the most beautiful, the most gracious, the most wondrous. And listen, I'm talking about the safest place on earth is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that? That's been a question that's been asked a lot. The first day of the church, some people asked that to the Apostle Peter and the other 11 apostles. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Where is that deep place? Where is that safe place? Where is that everlasting place? What have I got to do to get into the noise of that water spot? What have I got to do to get deep under deep? Then stood up Peter and the other apostles with him. And he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And as many as gladly received his word were baptized, both men and women. They hadn't yet repented, they found a place. And then they were baptized. And just as that first 120 group had received the Holy Ghost, for they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. So they were added that day into the church 5,000. 3,000. A few months later, a year maybe, another 5,000. Until they filled Jerusalem with that doctrine. Because deep was calling unto deep. 
And that same God's in this house, and that same God loves everybody under the sound of my voice. Is there anybody here? Maybe you've been in the kiddie pool. Maybe you thought, I've gave my heart to the Lord many times. I've confessed Him as my personal Savior. But it hasn't done any real good. It's been short-lived, and I find myself back and back. Come on, friend. This altars open you can find a place of repentance there's a baptistry you can couple that with baptism in Jesus name and the God that's in this house will fill you with the gift of his spirit amen we're opening up this front to the thankful to the hungry to those that want to just worship and those that want to say God include me in don't pass me by God in on this. I'm passing through life one time. I don't want to miss the most important. I'm not interested in contempt. I want everlasting love in my life. Come on, sir. Come on, man. God's reaching for you because he loves you.